Come on, I just encourage every single one of you all around the world, wherever you're watching, even if you're in your own array right now, just begin to talk to God. Just begin to worship him. Even right now, maybe for you, that means you want to close your eyes, lift your hands. Maybe you just want to sit there and just begin to think about God. And really, I would encourage you even out loud in your mind, begin to tell God what that song was just singing. Honor and praise are, are yours. It's yours, God. My affection, my love, my honor, my worship, the priority of my life, all of that is yours. And I encourage you to run away. Just talk to God. This isn't about you sitting back and just watching what we're doing. No, this is your opportunity for you to participate in your own conversation with God. So I just encourage you in your way, own way. Just begin to pray to him right now. Begin to tell him that you love him. Begin to tell him that you're thankful for him. God, we, we thank you for being for us, not against us. Thank you that although there are so many things in our lives that feel like they're just fighting against us, finances, sometimes our own families, sometimes our own minds, our own insecurities are fighting against us. But God, we thank you that you're never against us, always for us. You love us. And so today, God, we just want to take a few moments just to focus on you and your goodness. And we understand, God, that, that worship and showing affection and, and telling you that we love you, these aren't things that just happen in church. These are a lifestyle. But right now, God, as we just gather together as a church family, we just want to focus our attention solely on you. And so right now, God, I pray that you would help us to put aside any distractions, any, any things that are happening, maybe even right now on our side monitors that are taking away our attention. We, we, we've come to hear from you. We've come to learn about your word. We've come to be encouraged challenged and changed. And so I pray, God, as we focus our minds on you, as we study your word, I pray that you would speak to all of us, encourage us. And today we've come to honor the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, friends, hey, no matter where you're watching around the world, if you're standing up, go ahead and take a seat in your rooms, living rooms, bedrooms, wherever you might be. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, my name is Susie, and I have the immense honor to be the preaching pastor here at God Squad Church. Want to give some love to the homies in the chat. Put some hearts in the chat. I see your beautiful faces. Let's go, let's go. Welcome everyone watching around the world. Today is a special day, not just because we got church, but because we get to be a part of something amazing. Here's the deal. Whether you're watching this during first service or second service, tonight at 8 p.m., we have something incredible going on. We have the opportunity to partner with Guardians Gold and Compassion International, which is a Christian nonprofit organization that is helping release children from poverty. And tonight, actually right now as we speak, there is a fundraiser going on right now, a 40-hour fundraiser with Guardians Gold, which you don't know is a content management agency actually owned by a member of our community. And they've gathered like the Avengers of Christian streamers. You'll see a lot of them names on the chat. Maybe some of these you'll recognize. They've gathered streamers. They've gathered churches. And for 40 hours straight, they are raising money for Compassion International. Some of you might know that Compassion does a lot of fundraising, like I said, to release children from poverty. But this fundraiser is actually all about raising money to rebuild houses for children and their families. There was an earthquake that hit Haiti back in August. Tons of houses were destroyed. And so tons of Christian communities are getting together under one name, the name of Jesus, to raise $25,000 to be able to help rebuild homes in Haiti. And here's the awesome part. 
we get to fulfill that final block you'll see at 8 p.m. Our church community gets to bring this fundraiser home in hopes that we can hit that $25,000 goal. So here's the deal. After first and second service, we're going to host that fundraiser. It's happening over at twitch.tv slash unite the light. We'll get that link in the chat. They're already over $10,000 and we're finishing up that last block in church. I want to invite you. Let's finish that goal strong tonight. Let's help rebuild homes in Haiti. Let's do something amazing under one name, the name of Jesus, and as a community together. So we want to invite you not just to come watch, not just come be a part, but if you can, come support it. And then we're going to give you a little, little bit of a tease, a little sneak peek. As a church, our church together will be bringing a, finite, a financial gift to be a blessing to this fundraiser. And here's the deal. The financial gift that we're bringing, that is part of all of our generosity. Like all those who give here at God Squad Church, me and my wife give, our staff gives, you give. This is a combined effort of all of us, what we're doing, and we're going to bring that as a gift tonight. And I want to invite you to come be a part of it. And then if you want to be able to give above and beyond that, we would invite you to do that too. But tonight at 8 p.m., don't miss it. In between services, you can watch it. And after service, it's going to be, it's going to be absolutely incredible. But friends, we have been ministering to gamers on Twitch for a long, long, long time. Throughout that fundraiser, there were tons of different games that were being played. We're playing a little bit of Alan tonight. Some people are playing New World, whatever it might be. Tons of different games, tons of different ratings for games, tons of different genres, categories for games. And a question that I get all the time, since the day I started streaming on Twitch almost seven years ago, I get the question about multiple different games. Should a Christian play this game? Now, you might be here and you might not be a follower of Jesus. I mean, we're so glad you're joining us. God bless you. You don't have to believe in order to belong. We're glad you're joining us. But we do, obviously, as followers of Jesus, we submit our lives to the standards of the teaching of Jesus, the Bible. But here's the thing. There are a lot of different games that people have different opinions about whether a Christian should play it or not play it. I could literally list a name right now and some people might say, hey, that game is fine. And I could listen to another game and some people would say like, oh, nobody should ever play that game ever. And here's the deal. I'm actually going to give a few examples here in the minute, but here's the deal. I'm going to ask some questions, but I'm going to leave them all rhetorical. Here's the deal. For the sake of unity, that's our goal today. This entire message you're going to hear, the main goal and priority behind everything I'm going to say throughout today's message, I'm not going to lie, it's going to stir the pot just a little bit. <laughs> it's going to stir the pot just a little bit intentionally, but not for the sake of just stirring the pot, for the sake of getting us as followers of Jesus, how are we going to think about certain topics? How are we going to be able to wrestle with things that maybe we're not sure about and land on a conclusion? And then how are we also going to treat each other when we land on opposite sides of the coin? You could throw out one thing and people might say, right. You could throw up another thing and someone might say, wrong. And so I want to encourage you. We're going to ask some questions, but I want you to answer them rhetorically. Do not put them in the chat for the sake of unity. We're going to keep them to ourselves, but I want you to be thinking. I'm going to put the first picture up on the screen, and I'm going to ask you the question, should a Christian play this game? <laughs> According to the standards of the following of Jesus, should Christians play Mario? And again, you don't have to answer. And some people would say, come on, Susie, it's just Mario. Don't make it a big deal, man. It's just Mario. And some people would say, absolutely. Christians can totally play Mario. But I'm actually not exaggerating when I say I've spoken with several Christians who would say, Christians should not play Mario because Bowser has horns and the devil has horns. Now, to some of you, that might be funny. But to some other people, man, th 
that's a real serious thing for them. I will not play Mario because of Bowser. And we have two Christians who read the same book on two different sides of the coin. Some might think that this game is normally harmless, but others would say, no, it's not. Here's a spicy one. Let's go to the next picture. Should, Christ <laughs> Should Christians play Grand Theft Auto V? And especially when we start talking about the, the storyline where there's prostitution and drugs and murdering of innocent people and stealing of cars and lots and lots and lots of language. Some people would say, no Christian should ever, ever play this game. And some people might say, come on, Susie, it's just a video game. It's not real. I'm not actually sleeping with prostitutes. I'm not actually stealing cars. It's just a game. Two different Christians who read the same book on opposite sides of the spectrum. Now, I obviously intentionally gave you kind of two opposite sides of the spectrum. Most people would say that Mario is harmless. Some wouldn't. Most people would say that Grand Theft Auto V is probably bad, but some would say it's not. But what about this next one? What if people actually played Grand Theft Auto V because I've heard Christians do this, but they avoided the storyline. They didn't do the drugs. They didn't pick up prostitutes. They didn't murder innocent people, but all they did was race the cars. This is very, very popular in the Grand Theft Auto V community. Just the racing part of the game. And some people, that's all they touch. And so Mario, we feel like we've got one side of the spectrum. Like, that's probably harmless. We got the other side of the spectrum where, oh, sleeping with prostitutes is probably bad. <laughs> but then we got car racing in a game that's bad, but I'm not particularly doing the bad stuff. Some might say maybe that's somewhere in the middle. I picked one side of the coin for this game, one side of the coin for this one, but now I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of somewhere in the middle. And this same principle applies to our entire lives as followers of Jesus. Because there are certain things that the Bible says are blatantly right. And there are other things the Bible says are blatantly bad. And as followers of Jesus, we submit ourselves to the teachings of Jesus. So as a follower of Jesus, I've surrendered my opinion, my thoughts, my philosophies, my point of view to what he says. So what he says is good, I believe is good. What he says is wrong, I believe is wrong. But then what do we do about things that the Bible doesn't directly say anything about? What do we do about things that are just kind of maybe in the middle? There's an important principle that I follow that I want to encourage some of you to keep in mind, and I call it the reject, receive, redeem. There are things in the Bible that Jesus says are blatantly good, and we can just receive those. Hallelujah. Just take those in. Ain't nothing wrong. He said they're good. They're good. There's other things that the Bible blatantly says, hey, we should reject. He said they're bad, so they're, they're bad. But then there are things like video games. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I've read the Bible a few times, and I never found the word in there. I don't know about you. Like, tell me, like, is in the book of Second Opinions? Like, I'm not sure. Like, I've never seen video games in the Bible. So are they good? Are they bad? Do we reject them altogether? Do we receive them? Or maybe there are parts of our lives where when things are just kind of in the middle, we can ask ourselves, how can I take something that the Bible doesn't say anything about? It's not 
100% clear? And how can I redeem them? Take what is a neutral, because video games aren't a bad thing, but they're not also a good thing. They're just something that is there that you can choose to use. And what we're doing right now is literally, this is a form, our church on Twitch is a form of redeeming gaming, using gaming for good. What we're doing tonight with Compassion, Compassion International, Guardians Gold, gaming for good. We are redeeming video games. Some might put that in the redeem category because it's just kind of in the middle. But what do we feel biblically about things the Bible doesn't really talk about? So with that preface in mind, I want to give you a few more examples, and then we're going to stir the pot a little bit more. And I want to get you thinking as a follower of Jesus before we start reading our scripture under the entire purpose of how do we build unity when we find ourselves talking about things that are in the middle. Let's put this next picture up on screen. Here you're going to see a bunch of kids from Haiti. And this is a portion of what we're doing tonight at the fundraiser with Guardians Gold, the Compassion International. We're going to be raising funds to rebuild homes to help release children from poverty in Haiti. Now, most people would probably put this in the receive category. Man, this is just good. Like us just raising money for people in need that are less fortunate. Like, like you got to try real hard to try to make, like the Bible says, true religion is taking care of the orphans and the widows. Like you got to do some real theological gymnastics to try to make this bad. <laughs> like... People would just say, like, this is just received. Just this is good. Let's just do it. But let's look at the next picture. And we would see lying and stealing. Bible is very, very clear. Lying and stealing is bad. Like, again, you'd have to do some real theological gymnastics to convince me that lying and stealing is good when the Bible blatantly says that it's bad. But like we've been talking about, there are things that aren't directly in the Bible. And if they're not in the receive or they're not in the reject category, what do we believe about things that are not in the Bible? And so here's my question that I do not want you to answer in the chat. How do we as followers of Jesus feel about this picture? About children dressing up in video game costumes on Halloween, eating candy. Now I've read the whole Bible and the word Halloween isn't in it. But we might say, but there's principles we can take and there's things that we can learn. But how do Christians feel? And here's the question that I wanna ask you. Should Christians participate in Halloween? And so here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to tell you whether it's right or whether it's wrong. I've not come to make those that feel like those that celebrate Halloween are sinful. I've not come to puff them up. I've also not come to condemn those that feel like when you dress up your children that you're a bad Christian. To be honest, I've not come to take a side. I've come to help you think. I've come to help us all together study the word of God. And then here's what I'm going to do at the end. I'm not going to tell you whether it's right or whether it's wrong. I'm going to let you decide. And I know that that statement at first might sound crazy, but as we study the life of Paul, it's going to make a whole lot more sense. We're going to read the entire chapter of Romans 14 today, but before we get into the chapter, I want to give a little context and background about the entire book. 
if you've ever read in the New Testament, the book of Romans, there's a lot in there. Like, it'll hurt your brain. Like, I'm, not, I'm just going to be real. There is a lot in there. There's theology. There's doctrine. There is so much in there. And if you ask people, what is the book of Romans about? Which is a letter that Paul wrote to the Roman people. That's why it's called the book of Romans. People might say, well, it's about a bunch of different things. But if you ask me, I believe if we break down the entire book, a lot of the book of Romans is about unity. And here's what I mean. When you begin to read the first few chapters of the book, you'll start learning about what the Bible would call Jews and Gentiles. Jews are people that when you go all the way back to the lineage of God, people that were born into the family of God. This guy came from this guy, who came from this guy, who came from this guy. I was born into that family, born into that culture. And Gentiles would basically be anyone that wasn't born in that Jewish lineage. So you got two different sides of people. You got the Jews and the Gentiles opposite sides of the coin and some would say well one gets to be in one gets to be out one's in the family of God one isn't and Paul comes to bring the two together and to teach whether you're a Jew or a Gentile it doesn't matter we have been saved by the blood of Jesus God has sent his son Jesus to die for you and I so it's not about whether you were born in that family or born in this one. It's about now have you become a follower of Jesus and the two can finally come together. Completely opposite groups of people, completely different backgrounds of culture. It's about bringing them together. Then we get to chapters 12 and 13 of the book of Romans and Paul starts talking about, well, this group of people have these gifts and these talents and this group of people has these gifts and these talents. And Paul starts teaching them. It doesn't matter which side of the coin you're on. No one's better than the other. Let's all come together. He does a lot of dealing with conflict resolution in the book of Romans, where he's taking people on different sides and bringing them together. And then in verses, chapters 14 and 15, which we're going to read today, it's a lot about things that make people different different and his whole goal which is the goal of my message today is how do we take people on different sides of the coin about things that really 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 aren't super clear in the bible and how do we bring them together and we're using halloween as an example because it is one that stirs the pot it is one that whether we want it or not come october 31st you're gonna go in the discord in the hashtag life category and someone's going to ask, don't you think my daughter who's dressed up as Tinkerbell is cute? And you might have certain feelings. And someone else might have certain feelings. So how can we prepare in advance? How are we going to keep unity when different people who read the same book end up on different sides of the coin about something the Bible does not directly talk about? So we're going to start reading in verse 1, chapter 14. The word's going to be on the screen and we got a lot of content to get through, so we're going to dive in real quick. And I want to dissect this entire chapter as we talk on this topic of how to keep unity should Christians participate in Halloween. Verse 1, accept the ones whose faith is weak without quarreling, fighting, arguing over disputable matters, over matters where there is not necessarily a clear right or wrong. It's just in the middle. One person's faith allows them to eat anything but another whose faith is weak they only eat vegetables now i want to clarify here when paul says that one's faith is weak and another is strong he's not insinuating that one is better than the other remember we talked about the difference between jews and gentiles those that have been born to that family and those that weren't 
those that are weak that he's referencing here, what he's saying is that those that maybe are one, new to the faith, or two, they've been around faith for a long time, and they're in a new spiritual journey, but still have an old way of thinking. How many of y'all know, put a five in chat, if the moment you became a follower of Jesus, you just completely changed everything you thought, you didn't struggle with anything you struggled before, you were just completely different. If I see a five in chat, <laughs> you can step into a new spiritual birth, but it doesn't mean that every ounce of your old way of thinking is gone. And what Paul is describing here is weak, is that some of these people they came out of a life of just following a ton of rules. Rules, 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 rules. Got to do this, avoid that. I am made right with God by following rules. And Romans is saying, no, that's an old way of thinking. I mean, sorry, Paul is saying that's an old way of thinking. He's saying now that you've stepped into a new life, it's not about whether I only eat vegetables, stay away from food, follow rules, do or don't. It's not about that. It's about have I put my trust in Jesus and let go of my old thinking. I might have a new spiritual life, but I'm kind of still stuck in the old mindset of, man, I, I can't eat meat. I only got to eat vegetables because I just got to follow some rules. He says, no, that, that, that's new, weak faith. Not that one is better, but he says, but those that are strong in their faith, they understand I can, I can eat vegetables or meat because that actually has nothing to do with whether I'm a Christian or not. It's... It's just food. So no matter if I'm on the vegetable coin, on the meat-only carnivore coin, or whether I'm just kind of somewhere in the middle, it's, it's, it's not about that. It's about following Jesus. Verse 3, the one who eats everything, the one that understands that it's not about any of that stuff, he must not treat with contempt those who don't. The one who understands that it's not about that, he shouldn't look down on or respect those that feel like, I, or disrespect those that feel like, ah, oh, man, I can only eat vegetables. I'm following rules. He says, even if you, even if you know better than that, don't, don't disrespect the people that don't know yet, that yet. Don't act like a puffed up Christian and be like, because I do this and you don't and you do something different, I'm better than you. He says, don't, don't behave that way. And the one who does not eat everything, the one that is only eating the vegetables, don't judge the one who does. So the one that does dress their kid up like Buzz Lightyear, don't judge the one who doesn't. And the one who doesn't, don't judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. For God has accepted them. And who are you to judge someone else's servant? We are all servants of God. We don't actually belong to each other. We belong to God. He is our judge. To their own master, Servants stand or fall, and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. God is the one who does all things. Verse 5, one person considers one day more sacred than the other, and another considers every day alike. Again, two different sides of the coin. One group of people, and again, Romans, this book, Paul is writing to a group of Christian people. That is the, 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 the context of this entire chapter. He is writing to Christian people, one group of people on two sides of the coin. These Christians feel like this day is holy, this day is good, this day is better. And these people are like, nah, dude, every day is the same. Who's right? 
are they both right? Are they both wrong? Two different sides of the coin about something that the Bible doesn't specifically say. But then look what Paul says next. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Well, Paul, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Paul, I'm coming to you, brother. Because my stupid brothers and sisters in Christ, man, they think that this day is better. Paul, can you just set them straight real quick? Can you just tell these people that Tuesday is better than Monday? And then these people are like, Paul, my man, can you just tell these morons that every day is the same? Come on. You know, you know what I'm talking about, Paul. And Paul's like, yeah, each of you should just make up your own mind. <laughs> Wait, Paul, hold on. Hold on. We need you to tell the other people that they're wrong and that we're right. And let's put verse five up again. He's like, yep, here's my answer. Each of them should just be fully convinced in their own mind. Wait, Paul, that's not an answer, bro. <laughs> it's like when you ask someone a yes or no question and they're like, both? You're like, what? Paul, is one day better than the other? Yes or no, both. Just make up your own mind. Just make up your own mind. Xbox or PS5, just make up your own mind. Paul, I'm saying, Paul, I don't think you understood the question. <laughs> Each of them should just be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special, he does that so to the Lord. Whoever regards one day as special, he does that with a genuine heart to want to honor God. And the one who doesn't does the same. And whoever eats meat does so to the Lord as an act of their worship. They give thanks to God. And whoever abstains from eating meat, they also do so as an act of worship to the Lord. And, and they give thanks to God. People on two sides of the coin, both doing something with pure intentions to honor God. Verse 7. For none of us live for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. Again, Paul keeps bringing up complete polar opposites of the coin. He says, whether we live or die, opposite sides of the coin, complete opposites. Life and death doesn't get more opposite than that. Verse 8, if we live, we live as worship for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Whatever we do, whatever end of the spectrum, whatever end of the polar opposite, we do it for the Lord. Verse 9, for this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Jesus says, I died and rose from the grave so I could have lordship over both sides of the coin. Whatever end of the spectrum you're on, I am your Lord. But then here's what we do. Man, you dressed up your kid like Buzz Lightyear? Man, if you really were a Christian, you wouldn't do that. Man, you, you don't hand out candy to children? You instead pretend like you're not home? You can't be a Christian. Jesus must not be your Lord. And I'll tell you, it starts getting real dangerous when we end up on different sides of the coin and we start accusing the other that Jesus isn't 
your Lord. But then here's what Paul writes about that mindset. Verse 10. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all, all of us, both sides of the coin, stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. God is saying here, no matter what side of the coin you fall on about things that I never really said anything about anyway, things that are in the middle, whatever you have decided and made up in your own mind, some of those things aren't as big of a deal as you make it to be. But the thing that is a big deal, the thing that we all do agree on, the thing that every tongue will confess and that every knee will bow is that I am Lord. So whether you're on this side of the coin or this side of the coin, I'm going to bring everybody on this side of the coin about who is God because that is the biggest picture. And everyone, whether you agree about costumes or these costumes or candy or no candy, we will all agree about who is God. He is Lord. And Paul says, man, there's some things that don't matter as much as we're making it out to be. But this, this does. Jesus being God. You might confess that candy's bad. You might confess that it's not. But both of y'all are going to confess that Jesus is Lord. Both. Every knee. Every tongue. You will acknowledge what I am. And I am God. The big picture. The thing that matters most. Paul is saying there's so much that keeps us apart. But this, this brings us together. This is what makes us family. Children of God. Not the game or this game. Not the candy or this candy. Not the costumes or no costumes. Jesus. He is our Lord. And there are things in the Bible that are just kind of in the middle that we make a big deal about that Paul says, man, they're not as big a deal as, as you would think. And you will answer to me for the way that you treated each other about things that were in the middle. Verse 12. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Each of us will stand before God and give an account and an answer to how we treated each other and where we landed on the side of the coin and what we decided in our hearts and how we loved each other. We will answer to God, you and I both, for that. Verse 13, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Sometimes as Christians, man, we just be fighting about all these things, casting judgment on another. Well, Jesus must not be your Lord because you believe that. Well, Jesus must not be your Lord because you believe that. Peter says, let's just stop passing judgment and make up our minds. Let's just, let's just make up our minds. Stuff in the middle. Paul says, just make up your mind. The Bible doesn't say anything. You just decide. Paul, should I do it or not do it? You decide. You decide. Whatever you've 
believed in your heart, whatever you feel God's speaking to you, whatever personal conviction that you feel like you should do it or not do it, just make up your mind. Just make up your mind. You decide. You decide. But don't let whatever you decide end up causing tension or being a block that separates the two of you. Whatever you decide, just don't let it get in the way. Paul also writes in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 7. Check these verses out. This then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ. This is the same author, Paul, writing to another group of people. And as those entrusted with the mysteries of God. There are things that are in the middle that are kind of mysteries. We don't, we don't really know too much information about them. The Bible's not super clear. It's kind of a mystery. God, is it right or is it wrong? I don't, I don't really actually, I don't, I don't actually fully know. Now it is required, verse 2, that those who have been given trust, they need to prove more faithful. I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. Verse 4, my conscience is clear. My conscience is clear. I think I'm going to dress my kid up as Buzz Lightyear this, this time. And my conscience feels pretty clear. Nah, I think I'm going to not hand out, children, not hand out kid, uh, candy. And my conscience is clear. Different sides of the coin, but my conscience is clear. But also be careful because you can have a clear conscience, but that doesn't make you innocent. You could steal someone's luggage and not feel bad about it. Doesn't mean that it wasn't wrong. So the conscience is important, but it can't be the end all. That's why we have a standard. That's why we have a standard. It doesn't make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. We are not each other's judge. It is the Lord who judges me. Verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. So when is the appointed time? Wait until the Lord comes. Wait until Jesus returns. Wait until we stand face to face before God. Then he, not me, not me saying it was right or me saying it was wrong about the things that are in the middle. The things of the Bible is clear. It's clear. But the things that are in the middle, I won't be the one to decide. He will bring it to light what is hidden in the darkness. The great mysteries that we don't fully understand. The things that are in the middle. He will reveal what is hidden in darkness. And he'll expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. There'll be a moment where you and I will stand before God and we will finally get an answer to should Christians participate in Halloween. Some people have their different opinions. For some people, man, it is so black and white that it is wrong. But then for other people who also love Jesus, read the same book, man, I just, my conscience is clear. I just, I just don't, I don't get what the big deal is. Complete opposite sides of the story. Now, don't get me wrong. There are things about Halloween that are blatantly wrong. Ouija boards, tarot cards, dressing up like Satan himself. There are things that are blatantly wrong about Halloween. I mean, what if I want to hand out, if I want to hand out candy to my neighbors and put a scripture on the back? What if I want to use Halloween as the only opportunity to talk to my neighbors? Or what if I want to dress my kid up as Buzz Lightyear or Sora from Kingdom Hearts? Or what if I really feel in my heart like I shouldn't do any of those things? Is one right or one wrong? Maybe we'll find out when we see Jesus.
or maybe both were okay. But there are some things that are hidden that he will bring to light. And at that time, we will finally know. Verse 6, now brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of this saying, do not go beyond what is written. There are things in the Bible that are written, clearly good or clearly bad. But the things that are in the middle, if we can't directly pull from principles of the Bible, it is a mystery. It is a gray area. We do not know. Paul says, don't go beyond what is written. Don't go beyond what is written and start making up your own opinions and philosophies and forcing those on everybody else. In Mark 7, one of the Gospels, it starts talking about you've taken your own traditions and you've insinuated that they are equally as powerful to the commands of God. They're not. They're not. Do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up thinking, man, I can't believe you dressed your kids up. Man, I can't believe you dressed your kids up. We won't get puffed up if we understand it's just in the middle. We'll find out when Jesus brings light to what was in darkness. Maybe one of us was wrong. We don't know. But all I know is my conscience is clear. I've made up my mind and I'm honoring God by talking to my neighbors. Or I'm honoring God by I won't participate. But either way, I won't, I won't, I won't be puffed up. Whatever I've decided, I, I won't be puffed up. Continuing on, verse 7. For who makes you different than anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did not receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? We aren't better than each other. We're not different than each other. We might have different personalities, but the reality, we are all equal. Loved by God, sinful people who needed to be saved and forgiven by Jesus. Multiple times throughout the New Testament, Paul is writing to different groups of people. People on all kinds of different sides of the coin. You're from Corinth, you're from Romans. We just read both those chapters. Whatever you are, we are all equal before God. And sometimes you just got to let Jesus reveal to you what you believe the mysteries that we know nothing about. Jumping back into the book of Romans, the first book that we started reading, chapter 14, picking back up at verse 14. Look at this. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, not persuaded by you, not persuaded by your guilt, not persuaded by your condemnation, not persuaded by your opinion, for things that are in the middle. The Bible's not super clear about this. I'm going to ask God, Holy Spirit, persuade me. And for some of us, we feel God said, don't dress your kid up. For some of us said, for some of us, we felt God is like, that's the best cause I've ever seen. I've been persuaded by Jesus. But we're on different sides of the coin. Let Jesus fully persuade you that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it's unclean. If you feel in your heart you shouldn't dress your children up, that's okay. Don't dress them up. But for you, you feel like you should dress them up, dress them up. I would avoid the ones that are blatantly bad, dressing your kid up as Satan. But you want your kid to be sore from kingdom hearts? If you feel the Lord has persuaded you that you can do that, well, then you do it. But you feel like you, you shouldn't turn your lights on or you shouldn't buy candy on the children, then you do that. You do that. And you're both right. 
Paul, should I eat or not eat? Make up your mind. <laughs> Which one? Both. <laughs> whatever you feel the Lord persuading you. Just both. But whatever you do, just don't disrespect each other. If it's unclean for you, then it's unclean for you. But if it's not unclean for you, then it's not unclean for you. Let Jesus convince people. Verse 15. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, then you're no longer acting in love. If it's causing a problem in your relationship because you're on one side of the coin, you're no longer effectively loving people. You can either make a point or you can make a difference. Which one will you choose? Do not by your eating, destroy someone, hurt someone, cause someone to stumble who Christ has died for your opinion on which side of the coin you're on. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of evil. Don't let the other person who's making you feel guilty because you're outside of this coin, don't let them tell you it's evil. Let the Bible tell you it's evil. But if the Bible doesn't, well, then you get to make up your mind. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. It's not a matter of do I eat or drink or do this or that. It's about righteousness. It's about being saved by the power of Jesus. It's not about eat or not eat. It's about every knee confessing. I mean, every knee bowing and every tongue confessing that Jesus is Lord. That's what it's about. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. The kingdom of God is not about the things that are in the middle. It's about what unites us. And what unites us is Jesus. Verse 19, let us therefore make every effort, not to prove our point, to do what leads to peace and mutual, mutual edification. I said an example earlier, but next week, you are going to go in the discord. And people are going to have pictures of their children in costumes. People are going to have pictures of themselves in costumes. People are going to put pictures of things that they've decided in their own heart that they have allowed Jesus to persuade them that what I'm doing is okay. And there might be people who go too far and will lovingly guide and direct those peoples. But for the people that are dressed up like Buzz Lightyear because they believe in their heart that it's okay, make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. You might see that picture and, and you might go, well, in my heart, this is wrong. I need to let them know. Here's, here's what I'd say to you. People have a saying all the time. Man, if you can't, man, I, if I ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. No. If you don't have anything nice to say, come up with something nice to say. <laughs> if people are in the Discord, hey, do you think my three-year-old's cute? The answer is yes. <laughs> the answer is just yes. It's not, well, don't you know that Buzz Lightyear is of the devil on only on October 31st, though? Like, even if you have nothing nice to say, make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Making unity is more important than making a point. It's okay for you to see the picture and be like, I disagree, but you're still my brother. You're still my sister, so I'm going to put a heart. You're still my sister. I'm going to put a smiley face. You are still my brother or sister, so I'm going to say, you think my daughter is cute? I'm just going to say yes. I wouldn't dress my kid up that way. You might think that about yourself. I don't even have kids. You might think that about yourself. 
But my answer is just, it's just yes. Why? Because I'm making every effort just to do what leads to peace. 20. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. I might say don't destroy the work of God for the sake of candy. All food, all candy is clean. But it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stubble. It is better to not eat meat. It'd be better for you to not dress your kid up or pass out candy or to do anything that will cause your brother or sister to stumble and fall. If I've got some people that I know that this is a point of disunity in my house and they happen to be in town on October 31st, and I think it's cool to pass out candy, but they really feel in their heart that God told them not to do it, on that night, guess what? Even though I think it's okay, I'm not gonna pass out candy. Because our relationship is more important than the candy. Our unity is more important than the candy. It's better for me to not have done it all. Verse 22. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. I'm going to read that one more time. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith. And everything that's not come from faith is sin. Paul has made very, very, very abundantly clear. There are people on different sides of the coin. There are other parts of the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 8, I believe where Paul is addressing people who said, hey, there's some food that we want to eat. Can we eat it? But then other people say, well, you shouldn't eat that food because that food was actually meant to be a sacrifice to false idols. Some might even call that demon worship. Well, you can't eat that piece of chicken because that chicken was a, like, it was prepared and cooked for the intention of giving it to a false idol. We can't eat that chicken. And Paul says, man, it's a piece of chicken. It's not about whether it's clean or unclean. Its origin, where it came from, where it started. Are you eating it as an act of devil worship? No. I'm not eating this chicken to worship the devil. I'm eating this chicken because it's mm -mm good. And whatever, whatever it is, eat the chicken. And I know that for some of us, we might, well, what about the oranges? And what about the purpose of where Halloween came from? And some of that's valid. But some people might say, man, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not celebrating how, I'm not participating in the worship of the devil. I'm just, my, my kid just likes Buzz Lightyear. Whichever side of the coin you're on, neither one of you are wrong. Both of you are, are right. But in that story, Paul says, whatever you decide, do it for the glory of God. Let's put verse 22 up one more time as we end our time together. It says, so whatever you believe, whatever you believe, what do we do about things that are in the middle? What do we do about things that are in the middle? Paul says, whatever you believe about these things, do it all for the glory of God. You want to honor God by not passing out candy? Do it for the glory of God. You want to honor God by talking to your neighbors and, and having your kid go play with their kid? Do it for the glory of God. Whatever you decide, Whatever you've decided in your heart, being fully persuaded by Jesus, keep unity, make every effort to keep peace with each other, do it all for the glory of God, and then keep it to yourself. Whatever you believe, keep it to yourself. 
Keep it between you and God. Go pray about it. Paul is saying whatever it might be, if we're going to keep unity in our church, in our family, if we're going to keep unity about this topic, Paul says you get to believe whatever you want, but you do not get to say whatever you want. Man, we can't just go around condemning one another. Well, you believe in wearing costumes? Jesus must not be your Lord. Well, you passing out candy or not? Jesus is not your Lord. Jesus is both our Lords. He's both our Lords. He's the Lord of both sides of the coin. And if the Bible's not super clear, again, there are things we should stay away from. Ouija boards, dressing up like Satan, doing anything that would be a demonic ritual. But I think everyone would agree that is not the same as dressing up as Buzz Lightyear. But it's still kind of in the middle. But wherever you believe, do it for the glory of God. Keep it to yourself. Whatever it might be, keep it to yourself. You're on this side, praise God. You're on this side, praise God. Whichever one you might be, decide in your own heart. And when we get to heaven, he will reveal the mysteries. But until then, do it all. Do both sides for the glory of God. Keep it to yourself. Everything that is said must be true. But not everything that is true must be said. Sometimes I just gotta keep it to myself. Why? Because the whole point of this conversation was not actually to answer the question, should Christians participate in Halloween? The whole point was, are we going to keep unity when someone else believes different than you? That is what God wants to do today. And that is what God wants to do in your life. And I want to pray together that no matter what side of the coin you're on, we love one another, respect one another, and to honor God by making every effort to keep peace between one another. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, God, that you've given us your word as instruction, as a guide, as truth. And we ask you today, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal to us different sides of the coin. Help us all to be fully persuaded in our hearts what we should do and not do about the things that the Bible's not directly clear about. But whatever side of the coin we land on, I pray that God, we would all land on the side of Jesus is Lord and you are my brother. You are my sister. We are the family of God and therefore I will make every effort to make unity between one another. God, we can either make a point or we can make a difference. And I pray that today we would choose unity to love one another, to be a blessing to one another. And God, real practically, when Halloween comes around the corner, just in a few days, I pray that Jesus, our number one priority would just be, hey, I see something that you're doing. I disagree, but I love you. Hey, I see that you, uh, you, you didn't pass out any candy. I disagree, but I love you. And I pray that God, whatever it might be, maybe for some of us, help us to hold our tongues. Maybe for some of us, may we not just settle for, I'm going to say nothing. Maybe challenge us, God, to go out of our way and say, hey, you know what? 
Your daughter is cute. Love the costume. Wouldn't put it on my kid. But you've decided in your heart. And I love you. Therefore, I will respect you. And be kind to you. Give us unity. Give us unity. Give us unity. No matter what side of the coin that we're on. In Jesus' name. Amen. And friends, you might be watching this message and you might be here and you might be going, hey, well, you know, I'm in a church. I'm, I'm, I'm learning about the Bible and there's people on one side of the coin, they're following Jesus, but I'm actually on the, I'm on the other side of the coin. I, I'm not following Jesus. And maybe for you, you're saying, well, you know, I, I can't ever be on that side of the coin because I've got sin, I've got shame, I've got guilt, whatever it might be. I've come to tell you that just like we started this message, no matter what side of the coin that you have been on, Jew or Gentile, he who doesn't believe, he who does believe, today God wants to invite you into his family to be on his side of the coin. And I want to tell you that God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for you. He gave his life. Why? To pay the penalty for our sin. Eternity is real. And Jesus made a way for you to be able to join his family. He loves you. He cherishes you. He died on the cross and three days later he rose from the grave. Why? To showcase that he is God and that he wants to be your God. He wants to save you, forgive you, give you hope, peace, and a future. And today, if you'll put your trust in Jesus, if you'll say, I don't, I don't, I don't have all the answers. I'm not perfect. I'm not either. But today I am deciding to ask Jesus to forgive my sins, become his child. I want to follow you, God. God wants to invite you to his family because he loves you. And that's open to anyone and everyone. And if that's you, if I would encourage you right now. I'm going to pray a prayer with you. I want to ask you to repeat these words. This is you having a conversation with God as you accept his invitation to become a part of his family and to make him your Lord and your Savior. Put your trust in Jesus. If that's you, I'd invite you to pray this prayer with me. God, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. And I ask you today, God, to forgive me of all my sins and to come and be my Lord and my Savior. Help me today to follow you, to love you, and to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, come on, everybody. Put some Jesus hype in the chat. Amen. Amen. Hey, here's the deal. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time ever, we want to say a massive congratulations to you. Do us a favor. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, go ahead and put a yes in the chat. We want to be able to see you celebrate. I see y'all spamming the Jesus hype and the chicken emotes. I see y'all in the chat. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, what we want to do is we want to walk alongside you. We're going to put a link in the chat next level. And all you got to do is just click on that link. Fill that form out with as much information as you feel comfortable. We want to have one of our pastors just reach out to you. We don't want to spam you, nothing like that. We just want to say congratulations and let you know, hey, we're here for you. If there's any way we can help you learn, grow, and even just answer questions about like, hey, you just became a follower of Jesus. But like, what, what does that mean? Like what, like, what does prayer mean? Reading the Bible, what's church all about? What's water baptism? We want to give you some resources on what that means and walk alongside you in that journey. Get you plugged into our Discord. Get you plugged into Experience Group so that you can become a part of this community, begin to grow in your relationship with Jesus. And friends, we got to say a massive thank you for not only everyone being here, but every single one of you that is contributing in your finances to make what you're seeing here 
a reality. Every week, we're seeing people blessed and encouraged throughout the week. Our leaders, volunteers, pastors are talking with people, ministering to people. Literally, last night, I was in uh, I was in New World. I was in Discord playing New World, me and Thermo, talking to a member of our community, helping them learn about Jesus, and they didn't really know how they felt about faith. Just engaging every day in real-life conversation, and people's eternities are being changed. And I want to tell you, you're making that possible through your financial generosity. Thank you for allowing the day-to-day -day ministry of God Squad Church to exist so that we can continue to tell more and more people about Jesus, to build our people, encourage our people, and create community around the world. And I'll tell you, our financial giving, it's an act of our worship. It's an act of us giving back to God, saying, you know what, my life is not just about me. I will give for the building of others, and I will give so people can come to know Jesus. And in a second, I want to invite you to do that. If you're here, maybe you've never given financially here to God Squad Church. I want to tell you, this is good ministry for you to invest in because we're impacting people and you get to be a part of that. And I want to encourage you, there's going to be a video you're going to see in a second giving you some safe and secure ways in which you can do that. But thank you for your partnership. Thank you for making all that we do possible. Through God's help and your generosity, we're impacting gamers around the world. So no matter what you're giving, thank you so much. God bless you as you give. Here at God Squad Church, there are multiple safe and secure ways for you to give. You can give by clicking on the panel below to give a one-time or monthly donation via card or PayPal. You can also go to our website, godsquadchurch.com give and set up a one-time or monthly donation of any amount. Lastly, you can text any amount to the number 84321 to set up a quick and easy way to give. Because of you, we are able to share the gospel with gamers around the world. No matter what amount you're giving, thank you for your generosity.